in the room, or grandparents in the room. Yeah. One of the most beautiful and challenging things is to be a parent. One of the most fulfilling things in all of life is to be a parent. One of the most hardest things in all of life is to be a parent. <laughs> is, it, is that not true? And, and, and as, you, as you sit with your spouse... And you talk about raising your children, you know, you got it all figured out till you have them. <laughs> you know, it's like, I thought I knew how to do this. Because <laughs> each one's different, right? <clears throat> and uh, each one poses some different things you have to learn as you uh, disciple them. Really, we're called to disciple our children. Um, but we, and, and, as, and each one of our families has different strengths and, and different uh, flavors. We have different flavors. The chud flavor is different to Hotchkiss flavor, which is different from the gall flavor. So we all are unique in our family flavor. And uh, in trying to, like, I want the Hotchkiss family to look like this, right? Like, this is my desire is that if they carry the name Hotchkiss, they're going to be this, 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 people of integrity, people that love well, you know, all these things. So each of us have gone, or many of us have gone through that journey together. Um, and as church family, we kind of have the same desire is that we want to make disciples according to the biblical mandates, but we also realize that we have a certain ch- uh, strength as a church family, and we want that to be represented out there uh, with all the people who are disciples at Northgate. And so we had, we, about several years ago, we, we sat down, we started coming up with language to describe what our core values are. And our core values really determine the culture of the family. It's our practices, our beliefs, our traditions, um, how we behave towards one another, towards others, towards him. And, uh, and that helps us become a people that have the same language, the same DNA. And, uh, and so this is the journey we went on several years ago. Carla introduced the foundations series that we um, are going to continue and as you look up here, we came up with our core values, and, uh, and these are them, his presence, a supernatural lifestyle, the gospel, healthy relationships, wholeness, and greatness. And we're going to define what each one of those mean. Today, my goal is to help us grab what we mean by his presence. And, and I want to say that <clears throat> the other five are dependent upon we get this one. You, you can't live... Christian lifestyle without his presence. It is the preeminent virtue of this house is that we know what it means to be with God and he being with us and how, how to be aware of what he's doing and know him well uh, personally. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit uh, to you today. We defined his presence this way. Um, we zealously pursue God in his presence, okay? I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell, what, tell him what zealously means. What does zealously mean? That's right, we want you all to be zealots. We're creating zealots at Northgate. A bunch of zealots. Zealously means like this I'm doing as my first priority. I'm fervent. The word fervent is connected to the definition of zealously. I fervently am going after God. I'm fervently pursuing God and his presence. 
And one of the things that I want to establish today is when you go after God, you're going after a person. When we talk about his presence, we're talking about being with somebody. It's not being about somebody. And a lot of times in churches and in Bible teaching, we teach people about God without introducing them to God. And even a lot of our Christian life is about learning about God when all of those things about God is supposed to take us into introduction of him personally. Like I can tell you about Tanner, my son, and I can tell you he's, he's tender, he's sensitive, he has a stronger will than most of you realize. Um, he, he's very thoughtful. I can, I can tell you about him, but you won't know him until you experience him. And so the church at Northgate, we are about knowing God experientially. We want to not know just about him intellectually. We want to know him personally. And one of the ways we do that is um, for we, we want that relationship with him. And out of that relationship, we have purpose. We become his beloved children. He says, walk in love as my beloved children, as Christ. Imitate him. So we have a purpose to walk in love wherever we go to imitate God. We have a purpose in that relationship. And we come to know him through prayer, um, through worship, um, through his word, through fellowship with one another. And we stay in this place of it's all connected to the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Yeah, he is the manifestation of his presence on the earth. So we want to obey him, not grieve him, not quench him. And that's a journey we've been walking. And we'll talk more about that in the future. But this is the... this. This core value is essential to walk out any of the other core values. And this, this word um, presence is interesting because in the Old Testament, the word used for presence also means face. So we're actually pursuing the face of God. We, song, we sang a song about the face of God. We see you in creation in the morning and the evening, in the evening night. We see your strength. We see your face. The face of God is really coming into awareness of his presence. It's interesting that um, scientists have discovered that babies' uh, joy center is actually trained and activated through the face of their caregiver. Like the smile of the caregiver actually trains the child about joy. I mean, how many of you have sat with your child and you used to do all kinds of funny things to make him smile? Hi! Woo! You know, we do things you never do with the adult, right? Just to try to get a smile. In fact, moms and dads compete for the first smile, right? She smiled, she smiled, and I know that was, she just had gas. We've all gone through those stories, right? Why? Because the parent's love wants to see the response of the child. And, and seeking the face of God is really seeking the smile of a father whose love is perfect for you. And for me, it's actually in the presence, the smile of the love of the Father, that our insecurities are banished. Our sense of insignificance, our sense of worth. We try to find worth in so many things in the natural. It's in the presence of God, the smile of his face, that all our, our in, in, insecurities go away. Our sense of inadequacy. And so the house of God, the churches where people should come in like, and they experience the smile of a father who has perfect love for his children. So we seek his face because it produces a lifestyle of joy, 
strength, of significance. Jesus ministered from the face of his father. He says, I only do what the father is doing. I only say what the father is saying. And so he'd been ministering, and they said he got away to a quiet spot to be with the father. And it was from that place he ministered. Let me just say this. It's our hearts as leadership is that you minister from the favor of God, not for the favor of God. From the face of the Lord, not for the face of the Lord. And so, <clears throat> how do we do that? We like we read, we pray, we seek his face. It's not just about what we do on Sunday mornings. It's an everyday pursuit of knowing God and knowing his love and knowing his presence. The scriptures are filled with exhortations to seek him. Psalm 105, 1 through 4. I'll read it all. I think I only have the end up there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. We've been doing that. Speak of all his wonders. And then it says, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. And I looked up that word continually in Hebrew. It means continually. In other words, ongoing. This is not, you don't stop. Oh, I got there. I saw his face today. I'm done. No. No, you're looking for God. We're, we're, we're seekers of God. We seek him in creation. We seek him in his word. We seek him in fellowship among the saints. We seek him in our daily circumstances. We're seeking. We're becoming aware what God is doing. What is God doing? We know what the devil's doing. Anybody seen what the devil's doing? The key to living in the joy of the Lord is paying attention to what God is doing. We're looking. We're seekers of his presence. There's an interesting uh, scripture, Second Chronicles 16, 9, just on the other side of it. It says, the eyes of the Lord are seeking. The eyes of the Lord are moving across the earth to and fro that he may strongly support. Anybody wants God's strong support? That he may strongly support those whose hearts are totally his. He's, he's looking. So what you have, you have this convergence, just like a baby. I, how many of you see a baby? Like, she's looking. When are the parents going to look at me? Like, Abigail, when's Tanner going to look at me? She's watching. Oh, Tanner looks... They smile, there's this convergence. This is really the story of God and his people on the earth. He's looking, and we're looking, and we find our place of reality or significance in that smile, in that place. And, and, the, and well, Hebrews 11, let's just look at this one real quick. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then he defines what faith is. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What's the nature of God, the Father? He's a rewarder. When we seek him, we're, we know, by faith we know that we're going to get rewarded with his presence. Because in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And, and really, Isaiah, well, the challenge for you and me is that we often get distracted with things of life and we look to be satisfied by the natural realm. Am I the only one that has that challenge from time to time? I'll give you just a testimony this week um, or my story. Um, this week <clears throat> or next week, Clay and I are going to go hunting, moose hunting with his two oldest. And my normal hunting trip 
has been shut down in Singalina. It's not going to work out. My, my old faithful rifle, my 300 mag that's been faithful to me for years and years and years, is up there. And so I talked to Brenda, and she gave me permission to go buy a, another rifle to go hunting with Clay. And, uh, and, and you have to understand this about my house. Um, I don't have many guns in my house. I love guns. I just don't have many guns. So, like, I have a, I have a, a 22 rifle, pistol, or rifle, rifle, not pistol. And, and I have a, a sawed-off shotgun. That's for protection. So if you come to my house and hear click, click, you know what you're facing. But that's all I got. That's all the guns I have in my house. And uh, <clears throat> so I went to the gun shop and bought this 300 Winchester mag, put a scope on it, pretty cool, left there, and I started thinking about all the other guns in there that I saw. And I go, I'd like another gun. Like, something shoot something smaller than a moose. Well, maybe I would want... Anybody have that go on in your life? Like, like you just bought a car, it's like, oh, I love this car. And then you see another one go by. I think I'd like that one better. I know I'm the only one that has that challenge. And, uh, and so Isaiah 53 says this. He says, why do you spend money for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. The, the, the script Proverbs says the eyes of men are never satisfied. And so what Solomon is telling us is that what satisfies is not found in the scene. It's in the unseen realm that your soul was created to be satisfied in. John, John Piper says there's, there's two main passions on the planet, on the co- in the cosmos. Two main passions. They're above all other passions. They're this passion of God to be known, to be glorified. He wants to be seen for who he is. That's a passion that's as big as any passion that any will run into. And the other passion that's close to it is your passion to be satisfied, my passion to be satisfied, man's passion to be satisfied. But they're not mutually exclusive. They actually come into convergence. God is most glorified when you and I are most satisfied in him. David discovered this. He says, your loving kindness is what? Better than this life. And so we're a people at Northgate that are pursuing the Lord for that revelation, to give it away, to experience it, and give it away. Um, our church's history, our DNA, changed several years ago. We used to be, as a church family, the way we orchestrated or, or organized our church services was to help the seeker be comfortable. We, we wanted the seeker, the one who's looking for God that comes in to our services. We tried to make it so they could understand everything that went on. We definitely didn't have flaggers back then. We definitely didn't have people up here dancing like Dylan does sometimes or last week Micaiah or, or Unfreeze. We didn't have anybody doing any of that stuff. Like we kept it so that people who were looking for God was comfortable. But something happened in our DNA where we shifted to where we were more concerned that God was comfortable that the Spirit of God was welcome. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So let me just help you. If you're at Northgate and you're new and you see things that you're not used to, just say, it's not about them. It's about me and the Lord. And there's a scripture actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul says, hey, listen, if I look like I'm out of my mind, 
That's what he actually says. If, you, if I look like I'm out of my mind, it's because I'm having a connection with the Lord. When I'm in my right mind, I'll connect with you, but that means I'm connecting with the Lord. And so we want to cultivate a place where people can connect with the Lord, where there's freedom. And how many of you know that God's bigger than our understanding? If we try to make it Him understandable, we missed Him. We more want the presence of the Lord because He will invade people's minds and to touch them even in a place of confusion. Somebody say amen. So we were provoked as a church. We were provoked by the scriptures that, that talked about the gifts of the Spirit because we were an evangelical church and we hadn't experienced a lot of the things like the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of prayer language or tongues or gift of miracles, it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and we hadn't experienced those things. We weren't walking in them and we started studying scriptures. We came convinced as elders and pastors that they were for the church today, not just in the past. And as a church, we began pursuing the reality of those things. But in our journey, we realized it wasn't the gifts that we were looking for. It was the giver. Because when you connect to the giver really well, the gifts just kind of flow. Because it's like the river of his presence. And I remember we went to different meetings. I remember one particular meeting in, in Brazil the very first time, and I'm worshiping we're in a worship service and one of our elders at, at that time craig mosley was behind me and uh and he tapped me on the shoulder and i turned around and and he couldn't talk he was so undone he was weeping and uh and so i said write write it down write it down so he reached over his journal and he and he and he wrote down his journal our people must experience this love If you haven't, he wants you to, to experience his love. And it's found in his face, in his presence. And that begins shifting, really, that encounter and several others after that began shifting who we were as a people and how we did church. And, and, uh, and it wasn't easy to make some of those shifts. Um, but we became more and more presence conscious um, than than necessarily unbelievers conscious because honestly you're to be equipped in the church so you can go out and, t and interact with unbelievers this is a place for you to be built up in the spirit this is a place for you to encounter the presence of god we create we want to create a place where the lord is free to dwell in our midst i remember or just last week and and laura and um Jeremy Brockman came back from Africa and they had this experience on their mission trip where the love of the father, you know, and she, she was here at the family meeting last Sunday night and she just testified, I experienced the freedom of the Lord. I no longer have to perform to be a, a, a wife or a, a, a mother. I am free. Somebody say, I am free. I want that here for all of our people. It was the same thing like Craig was saying several years ago. Our people must experience the presence of his love. And the only way that happens is having a whole bunch of people that's cultivated with that hunger. That come on Sunday mornings or any gathering not to do church. Not to go through the rituals of church. I did church. I signed it off today. Hopefully Pastor Dennis is happy with me. That's not what it's about. We're people of his presence. We come because we long for him. Because of that shift in my own life with the Lord, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, became 
and I'm not going to preach much longer. Just so you're aware, I'm going to share the scripture, and then Tanner, Tanner, I'll, I'll, share, I'll introduce him before he comes. So Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, and he prays this way in verse 14. He says, for this reason, and this becomes my prayer for you, by the way, all the time, all the time. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth, family's a big deal to God, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derive their names, that he might grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that's a lot of riches, to be strengthened with power, somebody say power, on the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love, agape, may be comprehend with all the saints what is the height, the depth, the breadth, the length, to know, somebody say no, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So, guys, listen to me. Everybody wake up. I know some of you, I see sleepy eyes. It's summertime. I know you're trying to get three months into one month. I know what it's like. Listen to me. The challenge is, is we build doctrines after what Paul says instead of receiving the invitation for the experience. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. It's not biblical knowledge. That's the invitation. It's an experience. Jesus said it well. He says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find eternal life, but they don't. But then you aren't willing to come to me. You're not coming to me. Come to me. The scriptures invite you to him, to an encounter, to a relationship. This is supposed to like happen here so that I have this encounter with Father. Are you with me? And so th- this love that passes understanding, the fruit of that is that you're filled up. Somebody say filled up. How many feels empty? Sometimes me. Some of you are looking at me. I can tell you're empty. You're not smiling. There's nothing on this earth that will fill you up. It's heaven, the person of heaven, that creates the fill your soul and fill your spirit, man. So I could preach four more hours on this subject, but Carla said I can't. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, I just we really want to have activation, and so um, T- Tanner, our our uh, middle son who leads worship, our worship pastor, um, he was growing in the things of the Holy Spirit. Um, um, that actually made Brenda and I uncomfortable. I mean, he talked about the waves of the Spirit, and we're going like, you are weird, man. You are really, what do you mean waves? Did you feel that? Feel what? The wave. Did you feel that wave? I mean, he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He cultivated a relationship with the Lord um, that actually provoked us to more. And so, um, can we welcome Tanner? I want him to share... Hey, I should take out my phone in case I need notes. I learned a long time ago, you prepare just because it's helpful in case you're not feeling the flow. And I always flow in my car, let me tell you. I'm like, I feel the word burning and then you get in front of people and you're like, well, where'd it go? 
that's a bummer. <laughs> um, but really, I'm just going to share some of my story, which will be fun. So, but let's, um, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. He's already here, but we just want to be more aware. I'm really okay if you just go into a vision and ignore me. It's totally okay. Um, but you just enjoy his presence in your seat. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in this room. And thank you that uh, you love us beyond measure. I ask for an awareness right now of adoption, that we're not in the kingdom of darkness, we're in the kingdom of light, that we have a totally new life, not a life of the flesh, but a life of the spirit. So any place that needs to die again today, we say, yes, Holy Spirit. We want to be fully alive, led by the spirit of God. Glory to glory. In Jesus' name. I think it's Francis Chan who says, um, nothing gives the human soul more dignity than that they can hear the voice of the living God. I love that statement. I could just say that and think about that for a long time. <laughs> um, but look, turn to your neighbor and say, you are made to hear. You are made to see, feel, and know the living God. All right, and say it over yourself. I am made to hear. I am made to feel. I am made to see and know the living God. More than anything else. That's what we're created for. Um, so I... Um, Oh, yeah. I want to share. You know, from the scriptures, when Jesus had fed the 5,000, I say 15,000, because I heard a teacher tell me one time that they don't include the women and children in the 5,000, so it was really closer to 15. But then people look at me like I don't know the Bible when I say it was 15,000. But whatever, we'll say 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000 um, with the, the two fish and three loaves, and, um, or 15. And then... Um, uh, they got in the boat, and there was a crazy storm, and the disciples um, were afraid. And Jesus rebuked them, lovingly, I'm sure, but rebuked them and said, and said, why are you afraid? Um, why? And then he rebuked the storm and calmed the storm. But why did he rebuke them? Because they had just seen him do this crazy, crazy thing. Crazy, crazy thing. And when God does something in our life, it's a context of our relationship that he, that he wants us to now know him better. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, and, and he'd walked with them for how long, they had a context of revelation of who he was that they were now responsible for and now had access to him because of how he'd revealed himself. So when we um, have experiences with the Lord, it becomes a, a place that we can go back to and um, when we're struggling, go back and remember and go, I remember how you did this in my life. I remember this is who you are. But also when we hear in someone else's life what God did in their life, when we read about revivals in the history, God is not a respecter of man. So what, what he did, he gave all of Jesus on the cross. He gave all of his spirit. He is available. So when we hear of stories of God in, in history or in other people's life, we're allowed to get jealous. And, um, and it's actually an invitation, or, or not jealous in a you know, comparison way, but we're allowed to get hungry. We're allowed to let it provoke us because um, God wants to take us out of comfortability and into more of him. So I'm going to share um, some of my story and um, 
And I know this week, as I was remembering some of the stuff the Lord has done, I just, I honestly have been crying a lot. So I might cry today. We'll see. Um, a lot, probably. But um, <laughs> I, I was crying because of the revelation of the Lord in my life. Is, is just, he's amazing. He's amazing. And he didn't have to do any of it. And I, I love him. And so, okay, when I was in middle school, um, I was struggling with, I know now was like pretty strong spirit of rejection, comparison, uh, not good enough. I struggled with my identity um, and self-hatred, um, some suicidal thoughts. And I turned away from Jesus. Um, and uh, when I was turned away from the Lord, I had a dream. And in the dream, uh, I saw the sky open and the heavens started coming out. Um, and then all the believers' bodies on earth caught light and went to meet the Lord in the sky, which is a scripture. Um, <laughs> but that was cool. So in the dream, my body caught light, and I started going up to meet the Lord. And, um, and I woke up with this strong sense of, I haven't been living right for the Lord. I haven't given him everything, and I want to know him. So I started um, praying in my room, and really it was, the, it was the dream, and then it was the stuff that I was struggling with that sent me in my room to seek God. And when I would pray, I would start um, just by confessing all my sins, and then I'd wait, and I'm like, I don't feel any different. And so I'd pray again, I'd wait, and I remember this moment where I had this thought like, maybe God's not real. And I remember going, no, I've known you my whole life. And so I said, God, I've known you my whole life, and I know you're real. And you said that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all, righteous, all unrighteousness. So I confess, will you purify me? And that's when his presence started to come in my room. Um, and it started really not dramatic, just really just his peace, strong sense of his peace, his voice in my heart, um, that his voice came with peace. And it sounded like my voice at first, and then, but it moved my heart in a way my, my thoughts didn't. Um, and I got to know his voice in my room. And, but I was still kind of in and out. I was, I was saying yes to God, but then doing whatever I wanted because I wanted to be accepted. Um, and seventh grade can be a, a tough one, but Jesus was pursuing me, seventh graders. God wants to meet you in your bedroom. Um, so I, halfway through the year, I remember I was at a worship service and I saw this girl worshiping the Lord and I could feel really tangibly, I could feel God's love loving on her and I could feel her loving on God and that exchange and everything in me went, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I remember I went outside and I yelled, yelled the song, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. You guys know the song? I'm trading my sorrows. It's a good one. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, 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 Lord, amen. But like for a really long time, I yelled yes. Um, and I started going in my room more. And then at the end of the year, I had another dream. And in that dream, I went to heaven. Um, and I was running back and forth on the streets of gold on the way to the city, looking for people who I didn't know if they knew Jesus or not. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it gripped me, and I, and, I, and I was looking for people in my family, not immediate family, but family and for friends. And I woke up, and I said, God, I have to give you my whole life because they, they have to know you. I can't be half-hearted. I have to give you my whole life. And so 
I just started, um, the Lord started taking me deeper, and um, I'm going to share a little practically um, what that looks like, because I think it looks different for different, different people, how you meet with the Lord. For me, that normally looked like I would, I would come in my room, and I'd stand. A lot of times I'd turn off worship music or anything, because I just wanted to be aware of Him. And I'd say, God, I come before you, because that's what the Bible says, right? Come boldly before you. I said, God, I come before you, and I would wait. And then I'd wait to feel where, what was in my heart and what was in his heart. So uh, I, would be, I would say, I come before you, I'd imagine his throne in front of me. And right away, if I had stuff I needed to confess, it's right there, you know? <laughs> so I'd go through confessing, repent of anything. And, and normally, as soon as I said, I come before you, his presence, I'd, I'd be on my face either by conviction or by his presence. And then... Um, his glory started coming in my room where it was weighty and I couldn't stand. And I remember one time he told me to hold out my hands and I did. And, and, and he put this presence in my hand that was like a ball. I know this is weird, but this is my experience. So it felt, it felt like this. It was his presence, but it was active. It, it, was, it, was, it was strong. And it was, he was just making me aware that he was with me. He was, he was in the room. And the reason I'm sharing that part is because I got hungry and hungrier to be with the Lord and to know his, his heart and to, to, for his presence. And I spent hours, hours and hours daily when I was in middle school and high school just being in the presence of the Lord. Um, and I would go and I'd start worshiping and then his, his glory would come and I started learning about what it meant to be filled, that we can be filled with stuff in the world. If the eye is dark, the whole body is filled with darkness. So the Lord would start convicting me of stuff I was watching, even stuff that wasn't bad. I had, well, at that point, I did watch stuff that was bad, so he's convicting me of that. Um, and I got totally free, by the way. I got totally free of porn by the time I was 16 years old. So I just released that testimony over you in Jesus' name. Because I'm 35, no, 34. <laughs> I'm 34, and I've been free of porn since I was 16. So thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and um, okay, wow, I'm taking too long. Okay, we're going to go into a bit of worship. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump through. So I started learning what it meant to be. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and of righteousness. So if there was anything in the way between him and I, he'd convict me of that, and then he'd fill me with himself. And, you know, the Bible says to be filled and continually filled. Can we, can we just stop and, and not take that as, um, as, don't take that as a taskmaster, you know? Don't take that as like a, the Lord's like, you need to be filled. Take that as an invitation. The God, God of the universe wants to fill us with himself and continually fill us. That's crazy, right? And it's him who's the perfecter of our faith and leads us into all truth. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. We just get to come and say yes. So I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 13. And um, uh, I was praying over someone, started praying in tongues. And um, I didn't know what it was. And I thought I might be deceived because I wasn't, we, we weren't sure if we believed in tongues. So I'd be in my room with the Lord and I'd pray in tongues. And then I'd go outside and play, play and go, Jesus, if that wasn't you, I'm really sorry. It felt like you, seemed like you, but I'm sorry if it wasn't. Um, and the night I got filled with tongues, um, I came home and it was raining. And I said, it's raining. I want it to snow. God can do anything. So I lifted my Bible because we were good Baptist type Christians. Um, 
in my youth. And I, not, not a bad thing, but I lifted my Bible and I said, in Jesus' name, turn this rain into snow. And it was like all the water that was in the air turned to snow. It, di- it didn't like stop raining and start snowing. It was like the, the water in the air turned into snow. So cool. But I experienced the Lord in my, in my living room. I experienced the glory cloud where I saw physically the cloud of the Lord come in the room several, at least a couple times that I remember. Um, but what happened was I started praying over people and the same voice that led my heart in prayer into more of his presence led my heart in praying for other people. So I started um, um, saying things like, when you were young, uh, I feel like this happened, but God, God saw that and this is what he said. And started seeing like inner healing, deliverance, and, um, and healing ministry a lot. Um, and I didn't really know the names for it. We learned the names for prophetic and for words and knowledge and discernment and all that stuff later. Um, and actually, I thought we were complicating it when we found out the words, because I was like, well, you just follow Holy Spirit. That's a lot easier than trying to like, which I actually think is true. I think when we're trying to produce something, it's not as easy. But if we follow love, we can go a lot of places. Um, so uh, leading worship in church, we were having, at that point, we were experiencing the presence of the Lord. At one point in high school, we were um, three services a week. I was leading worship until 1 a.m. <laughs> um, and it was awesome, just in the presence of the Lord. Loved it. Um, I was getting, honestly, when I look, I don't know why I keep saying honestly. It's a habit. Looking back at my journals, I went through a lot of heart healing um, during that time. One time I remember I sat across from the Lord in a table. Let me explain that. I closed my eyes. I saw a picture of myself sitting across from Jesus at this table in heaven. And he said, Tanner, will you give me your heart? And, um, and I looked down and my heart um, looked dead and slimy. And it, it looked like it was in this cavern of decay. <laughs> kind of intense. Um, and but I looked down, and that was how I felt about myself. And um, and and I said, "You want my heart?" And he said, "I want your heart." So I handed him this this thing that I thought was disgusting, and I handed it to him. And he took my heart and he put it against his chest, and he held it like it was the most precious thing he's ever been given. And um, um. The Lord loves to meet with us. He loves to meet with his kiddos. <clears throat> but that was really, a lot of that time was growing, having my heart healed. Um, I'm so sorry. There's just a lot <laughs> I'm trying to get through. Um, but all this to say, there's so much available in the Lord. And he has so much that he wants to pour out. And um, it's, it's kind of, I have a, I'm ho- a holy fear that's growing in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Please let it keep growing. Of the fact that it's up to us how much we receive. A lot of times. There are times the Lord moves sovereignly. But if you look throughout history, revival is really just sons and daughters realizing whose they are and who they are. That's really all it is. Jesus is revival. In fact, I think revival can be an idol. I've said this before. Revival can be an idol because our Savior already came. And he already gave us his spirit. So what are we waiting for? You know? So 
really how much of him we carry, Bill Johnson says, we get to carry the measure of the Holy Spirit that we'll jealously guard. Um, which is why I've been crying this week, because I've been thinking about how I've encountered the Lord in my life and, and um, how much I'm, in, I'm encountering him now. And we can just get so used to him. And um, for me, honest, it's valuing his peace that makes room for the glory. If you love the peace of the Lord and you'll sit in the peace of the Lord and say thank you for your peace and worship and pray and spend time there, that's where the glory comes in my experience. Um, if you value thankfulness and praise and, and spend time just remembering who he is and inviting him to, to, to commune, that's where, his, that's where his glory comes. So we're going to spend some time opening up our hearts and there's a song that the Lord, I would ask Jesus a lot of times when I was young, what song do you want me to sing when I was in my, my room? And, and most of the time he said, I could sing of your love forever. If you remember that old little song. So we're going to sing that. And then I wrote a song called Glory to Glory that we might go into. Um, what I'm inviting, I want the worship team to receive. Tanner's going to go up and just lead, okay? I just feel like you guys need to receive too, Okay. So we're going to receive from the Lord. He's going to come. He's going to touch hearts. Some of you, I'd like for you to hold your hands up because you're going to feel fire. You're going to feel the weightiness of his presence on your hands. Maybe some of you have never experienced that before. But we're just, it's the Lord. It's his presence. And then those that want prayer, we have the team that just came back from Africa that's carrying a fresh revelation of the Father's love. And they just want to lay hands on people that want that. Okay? So go ahead. I, th- I don't know. If you, if you wait better or sitting, sit. If you wait better standing, stand. But let's go ahead and let's just follow Tanner. I will give you all my worship. And I will give you all my praise. You alone. I long to worship you alone are worthy of my praise and I will give you all my worship and I will give